OT Geniuses. My name is Jessica Lopez Hermanton, and I am the creator and founder of OT Genius. And you're listening to Pre-OT Secrets. On this show, we talk about how to get into occupational therapy school, how to do it in the most financially savvy way. And we also dive into the stories of pre-OTs, current OT professionals and students to learn how they got in and what their experiences were like. And so we're here to inspire, motivate, and encourage you throughout your OT journey and show you how you can be a successful OT school applicant and become the OT that you want to be. Now, on to the show. Hello, and welcome to another episode with Pre-OT Secrets. My name is Jessica. I am the creator and founder of OT Genius. And if you are a pre-OT student looking to get into OT school, this is definitely the platform for you. You are in the right platform. And we are getting you already far beyond where you should even be as a pre-OT by teaching you things such as what is fieldwork and what is fieldwork going to look like, getting you advice from professors. And so we have Dr. Bertrand back and she is a professor and fieldwork coordinator at the University of St. Augustine and also has lots of experience as a pediatric clinician. And she does teach pediatrics. That is her thing. And she is definitely the go-to person if you have any questions about pediatrics or stuff of that nature and looking to go to St. Augustine and field work because yeah, that is what she does. So she is back with us and we wanted to expand a little bit on the pre-OT journey a little bit, just because I know that I had some listeners and stuff that they were listening in and like, hey, no, like I want to hear more about your pre-OT journeys. Like what got you into OT school? So Dr. Bertrand, what got you into occupational therapy? How did you choose occupational therapy? Well, that's a, that's a, a very complex question. <laughs> um, so, I like to ask those. <laughs> yeah, so it's, it's a complex question, but simple at the same time. So like Jessica mentioned, I'm, I'm back. I'm super trend instructor and academic coordinator at the University of Sudan, Miami campus. Super happy to be back. So my pre-OT journey, for me, it really wasn't a linear path. I always knew one of two things that I wanted to do an undergraduate degree in something either like mental health related or something that would give me the ability to work in pediatrics. So I actually started out pre-med as many, many, many students do in undergrad. And I didn't like it at all. I couldn't see myself spending, I think on average pediatricians, not knocking pediatricians, by the way, very grateful <laughs> to all the pediatricians out there. I just meet personally, my right. personality type, and it just wasn't for me. I think they spent on average four to six minutes per patient. And I wanted more of that rapport building. So I ended up major, I switched from biology to psychology, ended up majoring in psych and I did psych and education as well. And so I, for a long time, had no idea what I wanted to do. I went through child psychology. I went through nursing. I went through audiology. I went through physical therapy. I went through speech therapy. And so I took, funny enough, I went to University of Florida for undergrad. I took a career exploration class because I was so lost and I knew I wanted to work with kids. I I knew like no matter what I was going to end up working in, I knew I wanted to be a specialist in pediatrics. And I have a brother who has an intellectual disability. So he's been pretty much my driving force since I was really little. I'm the older sister, protector, et cetera. And so I volunteered 
at a clinic up in Gainesville, a very well-known pediatric therapy clinic where they had PT, OT, speech, and behavior. And originally I went in thinking I was going to be a PT, a pediatric PT. And I ended up observing the, the owner of the clinic said, you know, you're here to observe for PT. Why don't you just observe all three disciplines, see what you think? So I had gone back and forth, had looked at audiology, had looked at speech. And then I remember I met this wonderful OT who was working there at the time. She had recent, I mean, she wasn't a seasoned clinician, so she had probably graduated within the last two years when I was there. And I loved it. It was so creative. It was very gray. I'm definitely not a black and white person. I'm always the person that asks why. And I want, you know, a variety of treatment options. And I implement a lot of different treatment activities with my pediatric clients. And I ended up loving it. And so I decided that I wanted to go to OT school. I graduated. I didn't have the prerequisites to go to OT school at the time because (laughs) I wasted so much, not wasted, but I had so much like self-reflection time to really figure out what it was that I wanted out of life. And then OT just fell in my lap, even though I was surrounded by therapists all my life because my brother had OTPT and speech intensive therapy growing up. So I, you know, knew what OT was but I didn't realize that it would be the right fit for me. So anyway, so I moved back to Miami because I'm born and raised in Miami. And then that's when I met Jessica taking prerequisites at FIU for OT school. And then the more prerequisites I took, like neuroscience, physiology, anatomy, I realized that I had made the right decision. And then I ended up, you know, pursuing my master's, started practicing. I pretty much practiced in every pediatric type of setting you can imagine. And then I decided that I wanted to go back for my post-professional doctorate, which I finished in 2019. And then I, you know, kept practicing and then I ended up getting a lovely job that I have now at University of St. Augustine, which I'm really, really grateful for. So my career has kind of takes a lot of ebbs and flows, but if it wouldn't have been for that pre-OT journey, I wouldn't be here where I am today. So I took that extra year after undergrad, which I always tell students, you know, a lot of students like to rush in from undergrad to getting a master's or OTD. And I always say like, you have to make sure that this is the right profession for you of what you really want out of life because grad school is very expensive. So if you end up pursuing the degree and you realize it's not for me, you're in quite a bit of debt for a degree that you might not want to use because you ended up being, it's not for you. And this is exactly why we created this platform, guys. So if you're listening in, this is why you guys need to shadow. This is why you need the observation hours, whether you get them in person or maybe because of COVID still you're having difficulties. We do at OT Genius. Just go to otgenius.com and we offer virtual observation hours there. You can get your observation hours that way. The way that we do it is basically we do a case study based on a real patient that either myself or someone else has And then we go through the underlying issues and we think critically as a future occupational therapist in you guys' case, if you're, you know, not in OT school yet. Right. And we think more critically about why would we do certain activities with that patient? We start thinking a little bit more in the way that we would as a future OT student. So if that's one of the things that you guys want to do is also prepare your minds in that way. These virtual observation hours are great for that. And we are going to have guest speakers coming on that are just very working in very unique type of settings. So shout out to the Body Image OT. You know, we are trying to coordinate that too and see when we can get her on. So just keep an eye out for these things, guys. Like we're constantly doing these things. We have the free master class going on as well to increase your chances of getting into OT school. So 
guys, you need to make sure that what you are doing is in the right way. So you're not wasting any precious time and money. Be reflective about it. Make sure you know what it is that you're getting into. That's why we're doing what we do. This is why we're holding these conversations. So um, share this podcast with your friends and stuff like that, just because it really could make a difference. You know, like I'm not just saying that to say that, right? Maybe you have a friend that is thinking about going into physical therapy, but look like what Christy Sorry, Dr. Burchan. Okay. You know, okay. listen, hey, we're friends here too. But listen, if you're a future student, it's Dr. Burchan to you, okay? Anyway. <laughs> so, but you know, like we were saying, she thought she wanted to do physical therapy. And then she found out that she didn't, right? What if there's a student out there that is looking into physical therapy or whatnot, and then they don't know that occupational therapy is better fit for them or vice versa. Maybe they think that occupational therapy is the right route for them, but PT really is where they should be right? Just because of how they think and what they really value and how they want to help people specifically. So I think um, also finding the right fit in terms of the program, you know, once you decide the OT is for you, I think each university comes with it, you know, its differences at the university. Obviously I'm biased because I work for the university of St. Augustine, (laughs) but but I really do think that the faculty members that I work with. So each faculty member that teaches their assigned course is a specialist in that course. So you won't have someone who is not well-versed in PEDS teaching PEDS or, you know, in our adult course, the wonderful professor that teaches the adult course here at our campus. Our campus is a certified stroke rehab specialist. So really we do a good job in the, especially at the program director level, assistant program director level, at placing the appropriate faculty in the right courses. You know, the way we do our level one fieldwork experiences is different than when I went to, than when you and I went to school. You know, each clinical application course comes with an embedded fieldwork component before you go out for level two fieldwork, where the, the two 12-week rotations we were talking about before. So you get, and I think even like the fact that, you know, we're, where I'm working now, the coursework is all applied. So you come to lab to apply everything that you're reading. Very different than a professor just lecturing at you. Mm. So you, but you have to, these are things that when you go in for, you know, if they have immersion days or you have, you know, the university offers, you know, an open Q&A or a chance to visit the campus. I always tell students, not every program is right for you. And you have to, these are the questions that you ask, like, what are your labs look like? Could I see a potential lab? You know, what are the professors that are, what is the teaching style that's predominantly used? Is it only lecture? Is it applied? What are the structure? Because each program is so different. Some only have admission one time a year. Some are three times. Some really, it's a lockstep program. So if you fail a course, you can't take that course for a year. So these are a lot of things that I think when I was in school, I didn't really pay attention to. I applied to one university. I loved where we went to school, but I only applied to one. And it was that one or that was that. Like there was no other option. That was my mentality too. That was my mentality too. Um, But not all (laughs) programs are created equal. And these are things that where you have to, you should inquire because you're paying tuition and you're taking out, you know, potential loans. So you want to make sure that you're happy in the process, not just, oh, yeah. oh, it's a degree and I don't really care. No, each program has its pros and cons. Yeah. One of the questions that, and for those of you listening and you guys are going to now get it like more, I guess you could say introspect to why I asked this question on my, like if you book a call, I have a questionnaire. And one of the questions is that, do you want to go out of state or in state? And then the third option is, I don't care. 
as long as I get anywhere. And then I've had a few people, and I know that that's how genuinely some people think they have this mentality. I just need to get in somewhere. I just want to be an occupational therapist and I don't care where I get in. And my response to students is, that's not true. Like, you know, like if I see that response, I'm like, you do care about where you want to go because you need to care because the curriculum may not be what you expected. Maybe the tuition price is not really what you even were willing to pay. I know for me personally, I was not going to pay over six figures for a master's degree, which is why I did not apply to other programs out there that were available to me at the time. For me, I had that same mentality that Christy had. It was this, it's Florida International University or nothing that for me. And for you, it may be University of St. Augustine just because, you know, of just the curriculum. And you need to have, I think, just that mentality of doing the research and finding out what is best for you. Do what's best for you. If University of St. Augustine is what's best for you, go for it. So that's my biggest advice is for you guys to just really analyze and do your research into the programs because, yeah, occupational therapy school is, you know, expensive and you need to analyze whether you'll be happy in that program, which leads me to my next question, I guess you could say, is uh, why should a student then choose University of St. Augustine's OT program? Well, that's a great question. Again, this is the first institution I've taught at, but I've had a wide variety of experience at other institutions to have a bachelor's, master's, and a doctorate, which each came with their you know pros and cons. I think really what makes us unique is, I mean, we have a lot. I'm really blessed to work with so many individuals that are well-versed. And like I said, they don't just put faculty to teach because they don't have anybody else. Each faculty is aligned with the courses that they're well-versed in. So, you know, the professor who teaches anatomy is an anatomy guru. The one who teaches neuroscience, that is her bread and butter, wellness, you know, pediatrics. You know, I'm a pediatric clinician through and through. They wouldn't put me to teach adults or older adults because I would have no idea. I could teach you the foundations, but I haven't had clinical experience in those practice settings. I also like the fact, which is different than some other institutions that I've been at, the level one fieldwork component is embedded into the clinical application courses. So like in our pediatrics course, for example, we do level one fieldwork hours at, you know, different pediatric settings. So you get, and again, level one fieldwork is strictly, it's pretty much observation. You get a little bit of hands-on, but it's just a taste enough to get you to apply what you're learning in class you know, into a real setting or to put an actual image to what is a child with autism or what is a mental health, you know, client with bipolar disorder or schizophrenia. So you get to apply what you're learning or, you know, what does it mean to have hemiparesis on the right side post-stroke, let's say. I also think the fact that, you know, there's more than one academic field coordinator is a huge advantage where we have big numbers. We also, I think what's very unique about us is we have five different campuses. So we mm-hmm. have a campus, obviously Miami, one in St. Augustine, and two in Texas, Austin and Dallas, and one in San Marcos. But really in terms of upper administration, they make it so they, they really streamline where it's a one university approach, even though there are, you know, differences in the campuses, we really try and make it streamlined. So you get the same student-centered you know, experience no matter which campus you go to. I think also the fact that our mission and values really align with the student experience really make us different. You know, we really make it a point where every student's an individual. I know every student's name. What are their likes? What are their dislikes? What do they hope to do after graduation? Where are they from? We get students from all over, up north, out west, you know, different than some other South Florida universities I've been at where every student is from Miami or the South Florida area. I have quite a mix of, you know, of of students. 
And honestly, I, I think really the fact that we have a residential program, so you can do a full-time OT program, you know, your quintessential, like I go to school Monday through Friday. We also have a flex program. So we have a weekend program where students who are working full-time can come to campus to take their coursework X amount of times during the trimester, which is very different than any other place I've been at. We also offer MOT and OTD programs, which differ than other universities as well, that they've either only stayed at MOT or they've phased out MOT and only OT. But again, it's, you know, each program you have to, this is this is where I tell students to ask questions because every program is so unique and it really is, it has to be the right fit for you. But, you know, I feel really blessed to work where I do and, and we really put a hundred percent effort to make it a very student-centered experience. Take the feedback the students are giving us and tailor, make modifications to the way we teach the curriculum and really give it, you know, everything we've got. So. That is wonderful. That is really wonderful. Dr. Bertrand, and I just kind of wanted to know as a professor there, how did you end up teaching pediatrics? Like what got you into teaching? Oh, yeah, that's great. So like I said, I come with a, a wide variety of pediatric experience. You know, before I was working at USA, I was working for pediatric hospitals, specifically in outpatient pediatrics. And one thing I analyzed of was obviously weighing the pros and cons, any potential debt, anything like that, going back for my post-professional OTD. But even going into OT school, I knew I always wanted to teach her to have more variety in my professional career. So I didn't want to just be in the clinic for 25, 30 years, which there's nothing wrong with that at all. I just knew myself and knew that eventually I was going to want to do other roles. So I looked at the advantages of getting a post-professional OTD and then went back to school. I was working full-time when I went back for my OTD, finished my OTD. And at that point, I wanted to take a break because I had been working and going to school full-time for two years. And it was very, very stressful. And then one of my previous bosses was working at University of St. Augustine and called me up one day and said, oh, hey, I saw that you finished your doctorate. Would you be interested in being a lab assistant? Which I always tell students is a great place to start if you want to get into academia to get your feet wet as to what academia entails. It's a very, very steep learning curve from the clinical world. So pediatrics are practicing in the clinic, whether you're an inpatient, hands, acute, peds, mental health, whatever it might be. It's a learning curve, but then eventually, you know, you pick it up. Academia, it's a whole other steep learning curve to be able to teach what we do on a regular basis. So I had worked in peds, but I never taught it before. So I got a job as a lab assistant in the pediatrics course, and I loved it. I'm still learning to this day now that I'm one of two lead instructors in the pediatric course of how to effectively teach students, which is an art. Again, it's you have students that get it right away and some that need more of that one-on-one attention and help. So, I mean, I definitely think if I always think I always tell pre-OT students that you have to really reflect on what it is that you want in your career and weigh, mm-hmm. you know, do I go MOT? Do I go OTD? There's pros and cons to both. You know, what's great is let's say you get an MOT and you decide you want to go into academia, which was my case. I went back to school and post-professional programs overall tend to be more affordable than entry-level degrees. So it really, you know, it's looking at, I always you know, like to tell, give the piece of advice of, you have to really go in with a vision of, do I want to be a clinician? Yeah. hundred percent. Do I want to be a manager? Do I want to teach? Do I want to have my own business? So, you know, to have your own business, you don't need an LTD to do that. You right. really don't. To work <laughs> no. in academia, yeah. <laughs> to work in academia, you do. 
or you can get a job with the condition that you'll get an OTD or a terminal doctorate, whether it's a doctor in education, a PhD, whatever it might be. But, you know, it, it's not for everybody, but I always like to counsel students, especially in like the pre-OT world. Like, do I get an MOT? Do I get an OTD? Depends on what you want to do. If you have any possibility of you entering into a different realm, that's really where you And this is why you guys need vision for your careers Mm -hmm. and just really talk to as many people so you guys can get more of an idea of what you want to do with this degree. Because there's so many things that you can do. And I know that that can be overwhelming in and of itself because the options, but you need to just really do what's right for you. And for those who are, you know, like, thinking about teaching in the future or using their degree in a way to teach, I believe if I'm not mistaken to my understanding though, like even if you have a master's, that's still, you could even teach in OTA programs, you know, and so. Right. And you, that, you could be a lab assistant in MOT programs. Exactly. Typically when you get hired at a university where they have MOT and OTD students, you can get hired with your master's with the condition that if you you know want to you know continue pursuing academia, that you you will go back to get a doctorate. Which again, I mean, I did it that way. I saw a lot of benefits doing it that way because I got clinical experience before going back for a doctorate, doing research in an area of practice where I saw there was a need. Again, a lot of students just want to bite the bullet and just do the entry level OTD, which yeah. I don't blame them. It's a few more semesters in an MOT and they're just done. But you know, there's pros and cons to both. It depends on the type of student you are, you know. And then this is another thing that I'm thinking too. If a lot of universities are phasing out, and this is just something I want you guys to think about. If a lot of universities are phasing out the occupational therapy degree doctorate or the OTD, what do you think that's going to do to the demand in terms of you being able to teach? Everybody's going to actually like, a lot of people are going to have those OTDs, you know, so what's going to make you a lot more distinguishable. And so yeah, and um, that, that's, that's, a, that's a good point because as students also aren't aware in terms of like our accreditation or standards that of our governing body that make sure we're doing what we're supposed to. Students also don't realize that, you know, you having a faculty member who has a post-professional degree. So I got a master's. I have a, you know, an OTD and an OTD after they have to have a certain ratio of post-professional doctorates to entry-level OTD. So not every faculty member on your team can have an entry-level degree. Right. It makes you slightly more marketable to get a master's practice, decide this is really what I want to do. To go back for the doctorate, you have you can teach or you have more in terms of degree level, you're at a higher level than someone with only a bachelor's and an entry-level doctorate. Right. Mm-hmm. And then another option too is you guys may want to go back and listen to this episode. I did interview that OT mom life and her name is Emily Longwell Grice. She is getting her PhD in occupational therapy. There are mm-hmm. not a lot of PhD programs out there, but that is an option for you to consider and just think about. And, you know, if teaching is something you really, really, really want to do once you are well into your career. And again, I think that one of the best things you can do, just like Dr. Bertrand has said, is just think about what you want to do with your career, what it is. So maybe in that case, the best thing for you is a master's because you could always go back and get a doctorate that actually is more suitable for you based on Mm -hmm. the clinical experience that you got. And you can, you know, also base it off of maybe research interests that you have and things of that nature. So, you know, sometimes when you rush into something, it can actually end up biting you in the, what is it like biting you in the foot, (laughs) you know? Right, right. And it it doesn't, it's like I said, there's pros and cons and you can always go back. Like I have 
faculty or colleagues, I should say, that they have an OTD and now they have an interest in curriculum instruction. So they've gone back for PhDs, gone back for doctorate in education for an EDD. And that's really something that you have the ability to do if you get a master's and you're like, I don't know if I necessarily want to get an OTD. You know, I want to get a PhD in curriculum instruction and design because I have a passion for like curriculum design or I have a passion for special education. So I want to get a doctorate in education to blend OT and ESC. But you have those options. Yeah. You also have the option if you get an entry level OT to go back and get another doctorate degree. That yeah, really that's degree. really what you want. You want yeah. to get the OTD and you want a PhD. That's on you. You know, which you can. Go yeah, for which it. Is, go you can. For it. They, they, uh, it brings other opportunities <laughs> too and avenues within academia to do yeah. so as well. Awesome. <laughs> Thank you so much for just bringing that up. And by the way, one of the very first lives, Facebook lives that I ever did was with Christy, Dr. Bertrand here. And um, <laughs> she was in the middle of getting her doctorate when we did that video. And I wanted to discuss the difference between a master's and a doctorate. It is on YouTube. So I'm going to look it up and I'm going to put that <laughs> link to in the show notes. If you want to listen to us talking more about master's versus doctorate. And the crazy thing is when I watched the replay, she was talking about University of St. Augustine. And little did she know that years later, she was going to be teaching there. So yeah. um, life has these funny twists and turns. And so I want to thank you so much for being on here. And I just, uh, from the bottom of my heart, appreciate everything. I hope that this has just shown some light to some students as to how do I make the best financial decision for myself in terms of choosing an OTD or MOT? What does it mean for my career? You know, what should I look for when it comes to interviewing, you know, or at different schools in terms of like, what should I ask about fieldwork? Like, what does it look like? What is fieldwork? And so we've talked a lot about just so many good things and just how can your career look like? So I appreciate having you on and I don't know if you have any other last words that you want to leave us with and if not then I just thank you again (laughs) well thank you so much for having me and I guess my last piece of advice you really never know like the friendships you're going to build yeah Jess and I have have been best friends for I think it's like eight years now. Yeah, so leverage that. these pre-OT More. relationships. Actually, we've been, we've been friends for 10, 10 years. 10 years? 10 years. Oh 10 God. years, yeah. And you really, you really never know. Like we went, we were pre-OT students, you know, struggling to with neuro and anatomy and physiology and all that. And then we ended up going to the same OT school and we've been friends ever since. So just cherish those. You really, I think the key to being a pre-OT student who's successful in OT school is your friendships and study groups yeah. and make and yes. to, this day, to this day we have our OT besties chat and it's a group of <laughs> five of us and we've been friends since OT school and we will be friends for the rest of time that's really I think the key to sur- OT survival in general the profession too is networking and friendships and harboring those friendships because those are most likely the best friends you'll have, you'll have for the rest of your life because you have so much in common. <laughs> so, it's, guys, you she's not lying. She really is not lying. And I'm just going to also take this opportunity. This is why I'm creating the Road to Accepted program. We are bridging the gap between pre-OTs and OT students. And like that, you guys can meet and talk with current clinicians, current OT students, because you guys don't have to do this alone. You guys should be networking. You guys should be figuring out and talking to people to find out what is best for you. And, you know, so if you want to learn a little bit 
more about how you can leverage those relationships, that is part of the masterclass as well. The link is in the show description. So you want to check that out. And if you want to get into community, you're going to learn so much more about how you can do that and how you can actually maximize and make the most out of those things in order for you to be a successful student. Because I can tell you the most successful students are the ones that leverage those relationships. I've talked to a few people that have failed classes like kinesiology or even anatomy Anatomy. and the big, Mm -hmm. yeah, or whatever, neuro. And if it's one thing that I know is that the students that are struggling, if you ask them, are you studying with others? They across the board are almost always saying no. So, you know, study groups are like a lost art, I think. And it just comes from a lot of pride. Don't let that stop you. Get involved with other current students that can hold you accountable. And I know this has been a little bit longer of an episode, but, you know, it's one of my best friends here. And so... <laughs> so just uh, okay, go ahead and check that out. Me. Good course. luck to everybody. Good luck to everyone. And you picked the best profession, but obviously we're biased. But not for everybody, <laughs> but it really is really rewarding and humbling. It is. It I is. don't regret it's it so awesome. a single, single day when I go to work. So same here. Same here. <laughs> Thank you again. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining me and taking time out of your day to listen. We hope that this has been of value to you and will get you one step closer towards becoming the OT that you want to be. One of the biggest problems I see is that pre-OTs, they try to do things alone. They do things in isolation and the connections that they have are minimal for many reasons. But we are changing that here at OT Genius and focusing instead on building a community for pre-OTs for them to have their first OT family and meet other pre-OTs current OT students and clinicians. To be a part of that awesome community, you can subscribe to our membership by going to otgenius.com. Just go to the tab, get me into OT school on the homepage, and you can join our awesome community there. You can also find our social medias and ways to get in touch with us on the website. So thank you again and see you in the next one.